0: This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, this is Mark. There are a lot of reasons to get angry these days, but I prefer to focus on the positive things that we each can do to make this world a better place. The book Building a Better World in Your Backyard, Instead of Being Angry at Bad Guys, is a great resource for just that. Instead of throwing my arms up in frustration at governments or big corporations, there's a list of ideas that we each can tackle to effect change. Information about this book and other resources can be found at permies.com.
1: The one nice thing about Coeur is I love to go to their little organic market there. Oh, pilgrims. Yeah. So great. That is... And that was the only nice thing on that trip was was because everything just felt like I want to say cement, but of course the couch wasn't cement, but it kind of was gray and it it did seem to be a part of this lifeless kind of a thing. And so I don't know we we have made something here that is glorious, and I and and now it just hurts to be away from here <laughs> so um <clears throat> i feel like in the last month or two a lot of different people have talked about this element but i also feel like there's been people here who probably don't feel that feel like like they they maybe maybe when they're here they miss the they they miss that Coeur d'Alene couch, or they miss those fluorescent lights, <laughs> or something like that. Like everything here is a little too what we are enjoying, but or what I'm enjoying. I I, I just kind of feel like every time I go away,
2: that the food is all scary. That the water just tastes like chlorine. You go to a hotel, and it's like you can't drink the water. You can hardly bathe in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you take a shower, and it smells that way. Yeah. You kind of get... How about when we live here, and it seems like about once every six months, somebody uses the shower here in the Fisher-Price house, and they clearly brought their own soap or shampoo oh. or something
3: or how about this we're working on some window quilts and room quilts right now and a lot of the places i'm i'm going to goodwill to find some of wow. these spare blankets and sheets and they reek of that detergent smell and it does not want to go away it doesn't i mean and it's 100 100% cotton and it's still hanging on to this 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 cloying fake fake flower detergent stench and uh, it's it it doesn't want to go away and and that's and and that it's going to fill up the entire solarium until i've washed that blanket or that sheet like two or three times with with the detergent we use here which has no artificial fragrance which and but it but it makes things just as clean if not more so because it doesn't have that layer of fake flower on top of it yeah Uh, uh, no no that's a thing that i i don't know if 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 that's typical society that's one thing that uh, that really irks me about it and you know i I say the word it rankles it it rankles me you know like it just it irritates the hell out of me is what it does that fake that fake fragrance that fake ass flower forget it man
1: i uh I, I remember one time I was trying to drive home from, I think, Seattle or something, and I wasn't going to make it, and it was getting dark, and I, I was like, oh, okay. And so I decided to stay in a Motel 6, <laughs> and I haven't stayed in Motel 6 since, but it smelled, the whole hotel smelled like cigarettes mm-hmm. and cleaners, mm-hmm. and it was so strong, I couldn't sleep Uh, and um and then yeah the pillow itself is like somehow treated with some sort of floral cleaner maybe they're trying to hide the cigarette smell or something but um oh it was just so disgusting so
2: it feels super toxic like when I have that ah. stuff, I used to shop at the Goodwill, but I can't anymore because the ladies' clothes just reek of perfume, and it co- takes many, many washes. And I don't even want it near me. <sighs> it's like whatever they use, it's like it, it's chemicals. Okay, so part
1: one of of this podcast was to <laughs> kind of talk about the stuff where it's like there's the 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 not here versus the here and it and i think it's taken a long time to build this to what it is and now it's uh, i it, it it's i'm going i'm going to say that by my standards it's so good here it's hard to go away from here and you know there's stuff that needs to be done and you know all their speaking gigs to go to, and uh, you know, and it's like that's how we change things. That's how we make a difference. Is we we take risks and go on these trips and stuff. And it's like I got so much more to say about that, but but it's like uh, okay. Now the the next thing. Okay, before I move on, has anybody got anything else to add about here versus? not here cuz this is important to me and i do think that there are people out there who would love to come by here for just a week to just experience it
3: so one thing i do want to add it goes back to what you were saying where there are people every 6 months or so there's somebody here who just is totally intimidated by the experience and i and i have seen that I've seen that quite a bit, you know, and there's an old phrase I learned when I was young. It was, um you're either in the car or you're throwing rocks at it, and those people are still throwing rocks at the car. Uh-huh. Um, but I also feel like I could have been in those same shoes years ago before I realized that this is the kind of thing that I wanted, because Ooh, I, w- I totally bought into the the cleaning fragrance chlorinated water um you know like food that was loaded with salt or you know like all these other artificial preservatives so i could keep it on my shelf for months and months and months at a time so there are folks who realize wow life can be radically different from how i'm used to doing it how am i going to deal with this now that my whole now that now that my my world view, my view of what life itself ought to be is being challenged right now, and a lot of people realize you know they, they experience that and they can completely embrace it. Um, there have been seppers who've come here there 's a there 's one lady she wrote a, a list for the fridge, and it 's like I had a chance to do this and this and this and this, and she totally embraced all that stuff at the same time. And this is typically younger folks in my experience that I've seen. They'll show up here and they'll they'll say, oh, yeah, I really want to see what Wheaton Labs is all about, what this permaculture thing is all about. But then it, it's in their face and they can't do anything except retreat from it. And I've seen that kind of thing happen as well. Now, I don't know if that's because of... I, I, don't, I, re, I don't know what the origin of that is. However, I can understand somebody being like, wow, I am not ready for this. I just need to whoa, get out yeah. of here. so uh, there it's could be too a, much. Yeah, yeah there's there's too much and again that's that's with younger folks who uh, haven't uh, who have i guess totally bought into the conventional typical lifestyle and they and and they see no reason to challenge or question um how things have been going. Um, me personally. I, I was, in my case, I feel I'm, I was fortunate to know that there were other ways of life than city life. You know, it's not about, um, it's, it's it, you know, like a civilized life or a fruitful life that you can thrive in is not just moving to the city and doing city things. I I, I was able to discard that very early on. A lot of folks are not ready for that. I think, I think it's fair to say that. Whether they are Coeur d'Alene on the golf course or, or, uh, or, uh, living in Baltimore or, um, you know, a software developer from the west coast, you know, those are the kinds of folks who, they don 't want to challenge their worldview; they want to have the uh, almost like a sanitized experience of what it's like to to rough it or live off the grid and then when they actually see what homesteading can be like they it was it was beyond what they had envisioned, and they don't know how to react to that that's that's one thing I wanted to add, to add to the discussion
1: i I think that um I think we've all been down that that path. I mean, you're kind of used to like, you know, and, and in fact, a lot of it is wheat Wheaton eco scale. Like, when you're at level one, then you're doing so much better than the average. But level four, anybody doing level four is fucking nuts. I mean, level three looks pretty cool. Ooh, look at those cool things. And I kind of feel like what we're doing here is probably good level five stuff. So. It makes sense that what we're doing looks crazy to level zero, level one, level two people. That's the definition of it. And so, Des, did you have anything
4: to add? Yeah, just real quick. um, I I, Oh gosh, there's like two things, but I'll just say one of them. Change takes time, I think, and I think what you're doing, Paul, is not only awesome, but it's It's a big shift in in world mindset, so yeah, I think it's gonna take some time even if it it's um even if it takes until the next generation or two to have like dramatic results um, i think it's it's a good work that everyone on permese with their attention is doing uh in contribution to uh the better get better yeah making the world a better place Uh, i love the idea that someday
1: and i thought i thought we would be there by now i thought that i thought we'd be there in the first year of being here like i'd you know and uh, and there were there were a lot of people who came out that first year that i owned this property and there wasn't much to see then i feel like there's a lot to see now um i think Um, And I've said this, I don't know how many times, but I think there's about 500 little things that we could make YouTube videos about, but we just have been so busy living, we haven't slowed down enough to make those videos. But I'm going to say, I think that there's 500 little things between Basecamp and The Lab that are worthy of a video. If I exaggerated that number, would you guys pick a different number? Five hundred is your number. Five hundred is my number.
3: Sure.
4: Five hundred little things. There's a lot of little things. So yeah, yeah, it's fine. Fine with me.
3: <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. No, I mean okay. you probably. I mean plausible. I, you're thinking. I think it's plausible. plausible. I mean, I could very easily be ignorant of those things, like all the little things that you want to to video or or talk about. Um, yeah. I would say you could fill up uh, a month and a half with experiences that are completely new to a person every Um, day yeah every single day a month and a half easy before you even start repeating yourself that's that's what i that's what i would say
1: yeah samantha
2: um yeah there's tons of things here i don't even know about (laughs) it probably be on that list (laughs) keep finding things Uh Yeah. yeah yeah i'm always surprised at the the sweet little things that I see around like little like a, the dry stack um, pavilion that you 've got right outside your office, and all the little little houses have uh, stone w- steps to go into, and you can step up on the stone platform it 's really neat dry stack dry stack
1: we love dry stack here,
2: yeah
1: I think that 's the big thing with the moon gate that we have, which mm-hmm. isn't there might be a gate for cats right now it 's like a what is it uh, it 's a two feet in diameter moon gate. Um, and the idea was we're going to build that, so we could build a big one, build a six and a half foot mm-hmm. moon gate. But, but I think uh, the cool thing about building that moon gate is to prove the effect, the efficacy yeah. of dry stack. And, um, and then a lot of people are like, what's wrong with cement? And I think I've covered that in many podcasts before. And so, here we are building beautiful things with just rocks just stacked rocks. The Moongate, the foundation for the solarium, which Des did. Yep. And, yep. Um, I don't know, and lots. Of,
2: yeah.
1: And yeah. that's, you can't see it.
2: Well, it's, if you build something out of that stone, it has a beauty to it. And every time your your foot touches it or you touch it or see it, it's beautiful. And if you put in just a concrete step, it has its own problems, but it doesn't have beauty.
1: I think the big thing with this um, Stone patio here, which Des is also the creator of.
2: I like, like rocks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think, <clears throat> I mean, the, the 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 rock patio is beautiful, but I think what uh, is probably ten times more important is what was there before was really ugly.
4: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I had a mask on every day because the cats really liked that area for their business.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah.
4: For years, I guess. there (laughs) There was that problem,
1: but... So there was, there was more. And, yeah, it was. There was the old. There was a wooden yeah, deck was- that was rotten. It was the wood was rotten, and somebody had painted it with red paint, which had mostly peeled off about the time I bought the property, and uh, I know There was a bunch of ugh. Uh, there was all kinds of things there's wires and pipes and it was it was a scary
4: scary space yeah definitely didn't want to walk barefoot too often um and it was a bit like a trench but it was so it was like ready you know to become a pavilion so much more beautiful <laughs>
1: and now i think that that log picnic table that's on the the stone patio Makes it even more beautiful, like it makes the stone beautiful, sure. I what don't, a
4: stone? yeah, yeah,
1: okay. All right, um, so part one of this podcast was about what we've what we have here and how different it is. And, and I think this kind of started with Stephen because you were talking about like getting out of the city and how now it's so very very different and i kind of feel like i got a taste of that a week or two ago in Coeur d'Alene and it was like oh and and i've traveled and been like oh it's so good to get home but i think this time it was more that mm. and um and it's because everything was just so cement and um not soul building it was so everywhere even the lighting in this hotel room was soul draining um it's the color of it the i don't know what it was a bunch of i don't know what about it it was just awful that couch was soul draining <laughs> wow i don't and it's like i'm not even sure how other than the fact that it didn't have any character it was it was you know a manufactured they're all manufactured couches so but but it's like there's just somehow it's like we want to make this so it really sucks souls away how do we <laughs> how do we make a couch like that and it's like this is the perfect couch. somebody thought that this is lovely i suppose somebody who probably thinks a golf course is lovely is my guess okay that was part 1 anybody got anything else about part 1 I want to go into part two. And part two is something that Stephen and I kind of covered. We did a back during the last Kickstarter. So we did a YouTube live thing, and we kind of talked about this a bit there. But now I want it to be in a podcast because I think it's so important. And so I see people on the Internet, away from Permis, and I get it gets pointed out to me. And I go and I look. And they're talking about woof, or they're talking about coming out to Wheaton Labs, and it kind of goes like this. And and I remember, Des, we made a little YouTube video about how you hit the two-year mark, and you got that $10,000, and you have your acre, and you're, you know, you're designing your acre. You've got a little, you've got some stuff started, even planting seeds on your acre. Yep. You've gotten started. Yep. Okay. So... Um, There was a a bunch of internet hate about that, and it goes like this. What kind of fucking idiot are you? For two years, you could have gotten a job that pays $40 an hour, Uh and everybody knows that in Montana, land goes for $1,000 an acre, so you could have easily bought your own personal acre for just $1,000 and pocketed the rest of the money. You are fucking idiot to have wasted your time doing this so you probably never saw this stuff i saw it and um uh it was it was you know of course internet trollish but i don't think these were trolls i think that these were just ignorant boobs
4: i'm sure we could get into what an idiot really looks like um (laughs) in life, but we're not going to go there. It's just like everyone has a right to their opinion, and I feel like the two years I spent here, whoever wrote that has no idea what it's like. Hmm. It was tough at times. It was joyful at other times, and overall, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm back. I went on a road trip, and I thought, I just missed this place.
1: So, all right, I've got... So many bits and bobs. It's like, where do you start? And it's kind of like, um, why do people go to college and then these same people would line up and say, what a fucking idiot. You could get paid $40 an hour instead of going to college. Um, And uh, because I kind of feel like that's what the boot camp is. It's It's a shitty school. It's not a great school. I do think it's a great school, but it's not a great school. I don't know. Does this make sense to anybody? I mean, I I know I just said the opposite things.
4: I think wherever you go, you're going to be picking up on stuff and learning things. Wherever you go. You go get
1: that $40 an hour job. And then that was another thing, too, is I thought, for doing the work that people do in the boot camp, I don't think anybody's going to get $40 an hour. Um, uh, they might not even get minimum wage. And on top of that, the work that they would do is probably on the scale of four to ten times more work per hour than what the boot camp is. Because the boot camp is pretty light and easy. I think. I mean, uh, you guys would know far better than me. So, Des, you used to be the high commander. Yes. And then, uh, Stephen, you are currently the high commander. And so... I I kind of have always felt like the boot camp is a lovely easy pace.
4: It is in no way a waste of my 2 years. I just I just have to say that. A lovely thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's Saturday every day. Um but another thing is is are there people out there that have no skills getting forty dollars an hour? Really?
4: forty48 dollars $40 an hour is an eighty thousand dollar salary, which yeah. is higher than the median, from what I understand. If you know, average. And I couldn't break the sixty k barrier when I was out there. I don't know why, but it just wasn't happening. It, the, the cards weren't in the deck for me. So, it's like, wow people think it was dumb but it's like well I don't know it wasn't dumb for me it was kind of the smartest thing I could have done because well again I'm here I'm so happy every day it's like what else do you want do you want money or do you want to be happy every day
1: I kind of think that people who have a worky job most people who have a worky job they end up living hand-to-mouth
4: that's and here
1: yeah. here all of your needs are covered, and then you get extra money with the BRK funds or with the video stuff, and Steven's waving his hand, and it's funny to, like, not let him have the microphone just yet. But. <laughs> okay, all right, fine.
3: Well, uh, one thing I'd, I'd like to mention is that uh, if you have a conventional worky job, like you're saying in the normal world, then you're doing the same thing every day. I mean, people would say, oh, I'm doing something different every day. But they're bullshitting you, yeah. and everybody out there listening who's working a normie job hears that, and they'll say, "Yeah, he's he's right. I'm bullshitting everybody by saying every day's different, every day's fresh and new." Here, I am um, out in a garden. Later that day, I'm chopping down trees, peeling logs. I am drilling through masonry. I'm working with cob, and I see the fruits of my labor. It's not just You know rearranging the deck chairs you know it is tangible (laughs) physical uh results from me putting in my work and that is what's different every day you are building every day from what came before that that day's work is you know you see the results of it um instantly you know, and another great thing is that if it's the growing season, then you're gonna see the plants growing. You're gonna see the land changing. Uh, and those are the things that are changing over time. And then you are feeding yourself with the food that you are growing. Uh, you are living in the buildings that you are building. Um, you are, <laughs> you know, you are, you are baking pizzas for people who show up to see the kind of stuff that you are doing. I mean, these, these are the things that, uh, that, that make this uh this kind of life very very different from n- the normal world I, and i maybe i went off on a tangent there i apologize have you ever wondered whether a particular book
0: was really good or just so so and if you could trust the reviews online when it comes to books related to permaculture Permes has a large list of reviews for over 100 books Perhaps you're considering a book for yourself or a friend, or you're just curious about what's out there. Stop by permies.com forward slash book and take a look at the book review grid and read some honest reviews, and hopefully you'll find the next book to add to your collection.
1: I think uh, the next the, the next little piece I want to just pop in real quick is they're like, oh, you can get an acre of, like, land in Montana is going for $1,000 an acre, mm-hmm. and you can just get an acre for that, and it's like... If you're going to get 1 acre, just <laughs> one, 1000 bucks. It's it's probably going to be 40 grand is a guess, and that's just a bare yeah, acre thing on it, surrounded by sprayers and what and yeah. and uh Ugh. and comedy, neighbor comedy.
4: That's all right, they got an 80,000 salary, so they got you know 40k more left to use a however sure by the way i just want to say like comments like that it it's obviously negative and obviously it's their opinion and they have no idea who they're talking to yeah um it's just a faceless thing right um i appreciate the time they took to comment because it it struck it struck something in them enough to evoke emotion and i'm like if, if that's the case, it's it's very likely that this person can see our perspective just as easily by having a simple conversation.
3: Uh, yeah. I, I disagree. I sure. think I think that that person is having their worldview challenged, and they're like, nah, I, nope, that person's totally wrong. I've got it going on, and I'm going to go ahead and look on that land service thing and buy my acre out in the middle of freaking Utah and full of dirt and dust, and that's it. And I'm going to get my acre for a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, and prove to those idiots over there in Montana that you can do it without all that boot camp foolishness. You know, I they would they would do something like that just to spite. What we are doing here, just so they can say my worldview is right and you guys are still idiots.
4: I would say That's, that. that you know that they're not
3: going to, but they're they're not engaging in a discussion. Sure. They're 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 going to they're going to see what happens in a video and they're going to be like, ah, screw those guys, they're totally wrong, and I'll tell you why. And then they'll vomit out their stuff on a comment in YouTube, yeah. and then we and. Fortunately, Paul moderates that stuff and gets rid of it so I don't have to deal with it
4: right and we're, not, we're not necessarily trying to convert people here. it's it's more yeah. about spreading awareness right and it's like I, I uh, became aware uh, because of rocket mass heaters and and when I was starting out the podcast up, I was like, because before I came here, I listened to about a 100 podcasts. And probably with each podcast, I wanted to listen to the next one because it was just resonating with me. Now, that was me. Yeah. Uh, this person and perhaps other trolls out there do not have a resonance necessarily like I did. Um, and we're not here to try to convert people. But I would say I could just as easily stand in that person's shoes and, and argue for his stance because I have done that. That was what led me to where I am and what led me to the boot camp program and sitting in the car instead of throwing rocks at the car. I think what you're saying. To be to be sustainable, I think one acre is
1: a bare minimum and that's for one person. And so if you're gonna share a space with somebody or you know a few somebodies or have kids or whatever, one acre probably isn't going to be enough, yeah. and um, and you're probably looking at more. And then the next thing is, is like, well, what are you surrounded by? And I think, um, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts, a lot of people, they get their three acres, which three acres I think is pretty standard. You get three acres. It kind of covers you for whatever is yet to come. But they're surrounded by sprayers. They're mm-hmm. surrounded by problems, like like somebody, you know, whatever these problems could be. And it's always different. There's so many different stories out there. And I don't want to get into all of that. We have 200 acres that borders up onto Forest Service land. And so there's got to be, I don't know, 100,000 acres beyond us. But um, the next thing is, is that if you're going to buy 20,000 acres, it is about a $1,000 an acre. It used to be about 10 years ago now I don't know I would I would guess that the that it's going to be about double yeah um so if you're going to buy 20,000 acres then yeah you can get a pretty decent price but I think if you're going to buy one acre with nothing on it right now it will it'll come with headaches It'll probably be... I'm going to just throw out the number 50 grand. I think it's probably going to be something in the neighborhood of 50 grand. Everybody's nodding their head. So, okay, yeah, 50 grand. Um, The other thing that I was thinking of the other day when somebody was saying this awful stuff and it's like I'm you know, and I'm trying to do a thing which I think is extremely generous and I'm being told that I'm a, um, a you know some sort of slumlord or awful person or evil person or whatever for for offering this and it's like, you know, there's no equity. And it's like okay, let's suppose that you want equity. <laughs> then you could do deep roots so that's currently 25 grand, and we will probably raise the price on that really soon now. But 25 grand, and uh, you get one acre, but you also kind of get the full 200 as well. You know, so so it's kind of like if you're going to raise cattle, and you're going to have five cattle, minimum of 80 acres, wow. unless you're going to buy hay, and then is that hay organic? You start getting in a bunch of stuff. Whereas if you've got 80 acres, preferably 200, you can have five head of cattle. And so it's like, okay, if you're, if you're eating beef, you know, this might be an important angle on all of this to consider. But here you have one acre and you can expand it later if you want. If your needs change, that's cool. But um, but you kind of have one and you kind of have 200. And so, um, uh, but it's like, you're right, you're renting it. You could be booted off at any time, but you want equity. And somebody said, you know, for when you get to be 80 years old and you can no longer take care of it, you need to be able to have a situation that you can you know transition into and you liquidate your equity in order to get that. And I kind of feel like, all right, let's say you got an acre on Wheaton Labs for 25000 instead of $50,000 for a, for a flat acre somewhere else. Um, then you can take that $25,000 difference and, I don't know, invest it, save it, put it in Bitcoin. I don't know. And then by the time that you need to make that transition, shouldn't it be dramatically larger? And then that, is your equity, equity. and um, I mean it seems like some simple math to me. it seems ridiculously simple
4: it's it's just different, you know yeah we're not we, the, yeah, it's just different so um,
1: if you buy your own property, which is cool, do it, you know um, great. And then, of course, now you got to deal with instead of dealing with the likes of me, you have to you have to deal with the government, mm-hmm. your neighbors, stuff like that. Now, I kind of feel like what's part of mix our Spot really sweet is we are a long ways away from people who are using a lot of pesticides and herbicides and stuff like that. So your bees, your honeybees. Are making their honey mostly with what's growing on your organic land or my organic land. And um, I could go on and on and on about the values that we're trying to grow here, but that's an. Whereas, you know, if you've got one acre and you're surrounded by sprayers, your bees are. Are, that's not that's not organic, mm-hmm. yeah. and then it's like if you've got any if you, what you got chickens you got hogs you got uh, what where, where is that feed coming from? what is the quality of that feed um, so when you start traveling down permaculture road but plus the other thing is is that I imagined that within the first year of buying this property, and here we are ten years into it. I imagined that within the first year, there'd be 30 people living on the lab. And each one would have a whole different kind of gardening or something. Some of them might not garden at all because they're more like natural builders. Um, And then there might be many different flavors of gardens, and people would swap this for that and things of that nature. But, um, uh, you know, that was me and my fantasy land in my head, I suppose. So... The key is, is that I kind of feel like forty dollars an hour is bullshit. No one's. I don't. I think if if you can get forty, then just by all means do it. Save up your pennies and then one day go out and buy
4: a five million dollar property. That's that would have been my plan if I was making that much money. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And then and then there you go. You know, do do that. Now you'll you'll be out there by yourself, which is what I did on Mount Spokane. And after I bought the property, I started making all kinds of discoveries that made me think, like, oh, what have I done? And um, so I, of course, left that property, and now I have this one, which I think is a massive step up. But um, I think, you know, by all means, go and do that, and then sell the property later, you know, or whatever if you need to. But um, there's there's a lot of hardship down the road, and then you're you're on the property by yourself. Now you think I'm going to build a community. Well, that's exactly what I thought I was doing here, and I got it. I have a bit of a community, um, but it's not as robust as I thought it would be. And and I'm I'm kind of thinking like a lot of people think about that, and then they end up never growing in that way unless they get people who are like. Uh, and we've all heard of this. We've all seen it personally as well I'm sure I'll come onto your property I'll be such an amazing gardener I'm all about gardening and um, and then they get there they trash the place and they're all about getting stoned all day and then they want to sue you because the doorknob jiggles and they can't fix it themselves and then, you know, they they haven't paid any rent in four months or, you know, whatever is the thing. Maybe you're letting them stay there for free and it's like because they were going to garden and they never gardened. So in a way, they didn't pay their rent. But, you know, what a mess. I hope people buy land and then start communities but I kind of feel like uh, this is one of the biggest things why I had to leave Mount Spokane is I realized for all the things I wanted to do it would require community I needed 12 people that were as bonkers about permaculture as I am and I felt like once I bought this land I would be flooded with people like me who want to do all this stuff So, um, we have made progress. Blah 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 blah. blah. All right. So for that for that particular thing, forty dollars an hour, then go buy your own acre. uh, I feel like it's like going to Harvard, and then Harvard says, and then after you get your degree, we're going to give you an acre of land here at Harvard. And then so people are saying that's stupid. That's a terrible deal. And um I anyway, all right. I I feel like the deal that is on the table, which you des have cashed in on, and Stephen, you're like three quarters of the way there, and Fred cashed in on it. Um I feel like I feel like and I'm very biased in this feeling, I feel like I have been brewed Generous, and and when these people say these things, well, it hurts my feelings. I feel like I've been very generous, and I've been told that I'm some sort of monster, Mm. and it's kind of like I don't think I've robbed anybody.
3: Uh, I have, I think I've mentioned this to you time and time again. I think that the deal here is exceptionally generous, especially when you welcome almost anybody in whether or not they have any skills whatsoever whether or not they have any future plans you you don't you don't necessarily vet anybody you know you let them figure out if they're a good fit for the community and if they are then yeah they'll stick around or you know but that person might also have aspirations to to move on after their x amount of time here you know whether it's you know a couple months or six months or even the two-year mark they're they're off and doing their own thing you were providing a roof over their head (laughs) you you know they eat the food that you have on your shelves uh in exchange for hey we're trying to make a community here all i'm asking is that you earn your beans (laughs) and uh i cannot imagine a place like that anywhere else that provides you with such a soft landing you know no job interview if you want to call it that no no like roommate interview and none of that stuff was part of me showing up here it's just like okay all right uh let's coordinate okay you're gonna stay in the love shack for a month all right come on over that's all i had to do part mm-hmm. with the coin yeah well there was that yeah that was uh, a t- and you
1: had to find out that we exist yes and it's like uh, and,
3: and any other place that exists uh, like this does not have that same kind of arrangement where you can try right. out being part of the community um you know, it, for as long as you like. I mean, there are seppers who have been here over a year. Yeah. So it's like, uh, and they're still trying it out. Maybe they're going to move on. Who knows? Maybe they're going to be here into perpetuity. I, who, who can say?
1: You're right. But, right. but... People who say they're going to be here forever tend to be not here forever, and people who say that they're here for a week tend to be here forever. For quite some time. Dad said he, on the day he showed up, he was here forever. He's still here. <laughs> it's years, three years or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. been quite a while. So, um, and Fred showed up for just a couple of weeks, and Fred's been here for what, eight years?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the The... I guess the point I'm trying to make is that for somebody who is trying to make that transition from the typical lifestyle, you know, me, I was, you could call me a city boy if you want, fine, go right ahead, you know, uh, but I uh, ended up coming out here, I had a clear idea of what I wanted to accomplish, and I feel like I am moving forward in that space, and I would not have been able to do that pretty much anywhere else. And as realistically and as approachably as I have here at Wheaton Labs. So I'm one of those people who was tired of, you know, I guess typical civilized life. And I realized that there is another way, and that's what I want to attempt. And so that's why I came here, and that's exactly what I've been able to experience, is seeing what life can be like outside of that typical civilized conventional lifestyle that you know, is a court d'Alene or Baltimore or somewhere else. I didn't want that anymore and now I've found, you know, for good or ill, now I've found that another way is possible and uh, and I feel like I've been able to thrive in this because that's what I was looking for it's because I, because I was like I want something different and that's why I'm here. I didn't want to have preconceived notions like reinforced or whatever. I wanted to have that new experience and be able to adapt and adjust to a new way of life uh, that's what you've given me the opportunity to do. And again, a very soft landing uh, for, for that kind of experience.
1: I've, I've always kind of thought that the, the demand for this, or not, demand is not the word, the desire to, to do what we're all doing, what the four of us are doing, is, oh, I don't know, about 100,000 100, times bigger than what we see. I'm a little surprised at how few people, you know, relatively, because I thought. Think
3: about how many people hate their jobs. Yeah. And they feel trapped in that job. They feel like there's no other way to live, so I'm forced to do this shit. I, and that's exactly how people wake up every single day and they think that. They're like, oh, I hate my life because I have to do this and I have bills to pay. So I have to do this and, oh, I gotta do, I, I gotta, I gotta have a house or I've gotta, yeah, I gotta suck up to the boss or I've gotta, you know, and, I, and in traffic. Yeah, you know, like deal with cars, deal with smelling pollution, deal with shitty neighbors who can't like keep their yard clean or whatever, you know, Yeah. or like, they can't stay away from the bottle, or they, you know, they're, like, stinking up my backyard whenever I want to go outside and catch a breath of fresh air, like... Yeah. And, and again, this is me, like, talking about the city again, and I, and I don't mean to do that. But that's what people feel like is the only way to live, and that's, I guess that's my point, is that that's the only thing they know or the only thing they think is possible, and that's why they, they, they basically just just suck it up and deal with it. And they're like, you know, I'm not even going to try to do something different, uh, because there is no other way. I mean, that's that's where I would be coming from if I was if if I was to try to convince somebody that yeah, to be here at Weedn Labs, like if you're if if you're sick of that lifestyle, just like I was, if you were sick of that environment just like I was, and you knew that there had to be a different way, a better way, or another way at the very least, then that's what this is. And and again, the fact that you provide that opportunity for people with so much, uh, so much, so much provided for, you know, like okay, you, you, yeah, we have a conventional bathroom. You can you can shower as many times as you yeah. want. Yeah. You have uh, as much food as you ever want to eat. You know, provided you earn your beans. Like, um, there's all this land here. There are all the tools in the wood shop there you know like you can practice setting fires and somebody will be there to make sure you don't burn the house down like you don't get that stuff anywhere else, you know, unless it's a very structured and weird-ass environment, whereas here you provide quite a bit of freedom and, uh, and flexibility to practice those skills, to figure out if a, a homesteading lifestyle is for you, um, and you're not going to be starving, you're not going to be stuck out in the cold. You know, those are the things that you have provided to countless people. Um, You know, and I, and I, I, you know, Des and Fred and I are the ones who decided to stick around, um, you know, after being through that that boot camp thing. (laughs) So
1: I thought that the moment that I offered the Deep Roots program, that there would be eight pots sold and I would lock it down and say, We're not going to sell any more plots for a while. I thought that when we started the boot camp program, that it would, at first I talked to Fred about it when we very first started the boot camp program. When we got six people, we would close it down and we would say, start a waiting list. And, And the funny thing is we did. We got six people. Five of them didn't even show up. So then, and we didn't find out that they're not showing up until the day that they were supposed to be here and they weren't here. So, but uh, we did get to the point where there were 17 people in the boot camp at one point, and that was a couple of years ago. Des, you were here during that time. Yep.
4: Yeah. When I first started, it was like 17 people. Yeah. I want to
1: say that was, that felt good. 17 people being here there's 17 boots in the boot camp so 17 plus me and um, there may have been some other people around that weren't boots but 17 in the boot camp um, what
4: a what a lovely
1: and delightful feeling
4: it, I would say it added a lot of variety to the community dynamic and which in a good way I, mean, I guess sometimes in a little bit stressful way too but every community comes with that I think yeah um And, uh... Yeah, there was always hands to help. So, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, 17 people.
1: I thought the boot camp would become full and then we would have a waiting list. Um... I thought that the separate program would become full and we would have a waiting list. Um... I thought that when we offered tickets to our events that they would all sell out and then we would have a waiting list. Um... And and I do. I, I think that this stuff is very generous. And, and, and the thing is, is that I kind of feel like maybe it's my personality that's driving people away. I do feel like there's been a lot of people that say if you allowed people to smoke cigarettes, you'd have ten times more people. But it's like, I just
4: can't do that. But then you're building a community of smokers. And that <laughs> already exists. Yeah, that yeah, already exists. Yeah,
3: that's already out there. It's, yeah. You know, again, a, a different way of life is... Like... I had I had a lady who was a very close friend of mine, and up until very recently, and she was like, a, you know, and she and I would be gardening in the backyard. She and I would be you know, like taking care of cats at, at the house, and she said to me, "Oh, I'd be out there with you right now, but I need to smoke pot." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, all right, have fun over there." Yeah, where you are, because you're not going to fit in here at all. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and while it's true, and so maybe there needs to be other communities that allow these kinds of things, but I kind of feel like I I want to provide the cure for cancer and all kinds of other diseases. Tobacco is a class one carcinogen. Yeah, and so um, on top of that, I just think it stinks, and it. you know, it's weird. It's it's like part of the thing we were talking about. about part one is this like. You know, you go into town, you go into Missoula, even. Oh, I, and I and this thought always goes through my head: if I if I come within distance of somebody smoking a cigarette in Missoula, this is a weird, this is a dumb thing. First of all, I just kind of like I've been, I've gone so long without smelling a cigarette yeah. that it's such a shock that someone does that. But then there's the whole dumb thought which I know this is wrong. I should never think this. But I think somebody in Missoula smoking a cigarette? In Missoula. Uh, Missoula (laughs) smoking a cigarette. Really? No. They must be from elsewhere. From out
3: of town. Yeah, (laughs) they must be from out of town.
1: And so... uh, Alright. I thought that everything that i offered here would be sold out and then we'd have to start a waiting list and so here we are there's openings in the boot camp there's uh seppers we talked about the separate program that's just renting a cabin here and being in a cabin for some period of time usually a week or a month and um and then you can be in the boot camp as much or as little as you like we have people who are couples and then uh, one half of the couple will be in the boot camp full time and the other half will do a worky job, uh, like remotely, from from uh, their cabin or they come to the dock or whatever. Um, so, but I thought, I inherently thought, and it, and it could be because my standards are too strict, but frankly, I don't even want to do this. I'd rather have a ghost town and have my standards. You know, the idea of doing this without my standards, I, I don't, but I I can't help but think that there's got to be a bunch of people who have similar standards. Yeah. I'm just baffled. Of course, I'm also baffled that the interest in my book isn't a thousand times bigger or, you know, all these other things. And it's like, uh, I thought, bur, 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 and I, clearly I'm dumb. Clearly, clearly I'm a weirdo and And um, the pod people are weirdos by association <laughs> but um uh, other people who wanna travel this path and buy land and then build a community, I mean, there are some communities out there that are far more successful. Then this one, they, they've got hundreds of people that are staying there, and what are their values? Well, they allow, they do allow tobacco, they do allow pot, they do allow those things. So I just kind of thought we would make one that's according to these values instead. I I do wish people would go buy tickets to our events, and um, because we've I, we haven't sold out a ticket to an event in several years, I
4: don't think. You had a thing to add? I did. I wanted to touch on generosity, your your generosity. um, But it's kind of a different, I guess, turn from what you were just talking about, um, events. I think it's definitely a generous program. And if someone um, wants to analyze the situation with me, I'd be happy to sit down with them and really figure out what does generosity mean, and how? What are we comparing it to? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the people who might be thinking this is not a generous thing—it's like okay, they can think that. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping for every one of those. There's another one that, like me er, or Stephen or you, Samantha, uh, sees the generosity, sees it in the positive light. Yeah, because I could complain about. Anything. I could complain about kittens, but, (laughs) you know, to me, they're very generous (laughs) with their love and all that. Yeah. The fun. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the clean air thing. Like I couldn't come back. I couldn't be here. I have one of the reasons I came here was for the clean air because there was a no smoking policy that sang to me like that really drew drew me here because over the course of 40 years of living i guess i developed a certain amount of respiratory sensitivity and i just couldn't even take a whiff of it when i was living in the city yeah so here it's like a sanctuary this podcast is continued in part three
0: Put Paul's brain on your plot. Do you have a hunk of land but don't know where to start? Do you have a world-changing permaculture idea and you need some feedback? Do you feel like the guy in overalls may inexplicably hold the keys to all your wildest permaculture and homesteading dreams? Well, you're probably wrong. But if you want to give it a go anyway, you can hire Paul for a consultation. He will be all yours for a whole entire hour. Schedule your Paul Paulversation today at permies.com slash consult. Hermes.com dot com slash consult